Amen. Thank you, Pastor Troy. Uh, I've, I've mentioned to the team a couple of times and Pastor Troy this morning, this is uh, the first time I've been nervous on a stage in over a decade. Um, this is terrifying. Uh, I um, grew up watching my, my uncle preach and, and got to see my mom. Oh, I have, look, there's a nice little you got this note on the front row. Thank you, Carolyn. I really appreciate that. Um, you guys will get to see all kinds of inside stuff as I talk up here because I, I don't keep things to myself very well at all. Um, but I got to watch him preach, my mom preach a few times, and uh, I always thought this was something I wanted to be a part of my ministry. Um, I, by no means do I feel worthy to be up here, but I know um, God's spoken to me, given this word for you guys this morning, and I'm, I'm super, super excited to share it with you. Um, before I say anything else, um, there's a 100% chance I cry today. Um, my biggest goal is to not get as high-pitched as Pastor Troy gets. When he cries, um, I'm going to try to try to keep it down here, uh, do my best, but um, before we get started, um, Pastor Troy, I want to I wanna thank you for honoring me and giving me this opportunity to speak to your people. Um, thank you for choosing to see what God's put in me and um, give me an opportunity to serve him with my heart. Um, you're an incredible pastor. I'm, everyone in here loves you to death. Um, you're incredible at what you do, and I, I want to honor you and thank you for, for giving me this opportunity. So, so thank you. Um, I'm going to pray really quick. Father, thank you for giving us this opportunity to gather in your name this morning, God. We pray that we would hear your voice this morning, God. If I say anything stupid or wrong, let it go one in ear and out the other, God. But let us hear your voice this morning, God. Let us get to know you better, Father, and grow closer to you as Christians, Father, God. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as it's already been mentioned this morning, we're going into the new year this morning. It's, it's January 1st, 2024 tomorrow, which is hard to believe. It seems like since COVID happened, everything has sped up even more. It's time going by so fast. Now, obviously, it's a, it's, it's a time for people to give New Year's resolutions, to make these commitments that none of us keep. Like, hey, I'm going to lose 30 pounds. Probably not, you know, probably not going to happen. I'm going to get off social media maybe for a little bit, you know, like sometimes. And I've never been one to really get into that much because I've always been super honest with myself. I've always been, no, sir, you're not going to do it. Um, so I've usually given up before I've ever started. Maybe that's a poor example, but I just want to be completely honest with you. But I want to look at new things in a different perspective this morning. Specifically, I want to look at making the old new, looking back at the past in order to introduce something new into our lives. And so we're going to look at a few specific memorials in the Bible. There's many different examples in the Bible of, of altars and memorials being made, but we're going to look at three specific ones. And memorials aren't something super uncommon to this. We don't think about them often, but there's memorials all around us. There's statues of famous people in our history. you got Mount Rushmore and all these other little commemorations of great people in our country's history and all around the world. And um, we're going to look at three specific ones in the Bible. But before we look at those, I want to answer the question, why? Why are we looking back at something long ago, some, some memorials that were made for things that happened so far in the past? As I previously mentioned, my uncle was my pastor growing up. His name was David Reeves. He died a handful of years ago, and um, he was the most influential man in my life. Um, I loved him to death. Um, he was 
basically my second father. He did a lot of raising me in a lot of different ways. And there was one specific sermon of his that he preached when I was growing up that has stuck with me to this day. And as I was preparing for this message, it kept coming back to me. And he spoke an entire message on remembering your first love, on remembering the moment that God came into your life. See, so often we as Christians, we know God, we love God, but we slowly grow apart. We slowly lose that passion. It's kind of like we, we, you've maybe heard of the example of youth camp. You know, youth, you tell these teenagers to go to youth camp, they get fired up, and then they slowly, slowly fall away. They forget the experience. You see, God's great. He is an experience all on his own. But we forget that feeling. See, I give Troy such a hard time about sounds, and now it's, I'm going to pay for it all day today. Um, we forget that moment, the moment that we first met him. So we're going to look at these three memorials and see how we can apply them into our lives. Beautiful. No, I'm just looking at my we're going to look at first memorial. memorial. First memorial is Ebenezer. So we are going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 7. So going into this section of scripture, the ark of the Lord has just been returned to Israel. And Israel decides, hey, we're going to turn back to God. They've been making all these false idols and worshiping all these idols. And they finally decide, all right, enough's enough. This is sucked. You know, we're going to turn back to God and try to have it good again. And so once they make this decision, Samuel calls Israel to this place called Mizpah. It's about 12 miles north of Jerusalem. And we're going to pick up here in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 7. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered them. While Samuel was sacrificed in the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. Then the men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone, set it up between Mizpah and Shin, and named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far, the Lord has helped us. So here we see our first memorial, the stone that is set up by Samuel. So what is the original purpose of this memorial? The original purpose is to remember the Lord's intervention at Mizpah. To remember this great thing where the Israelites were being pursued by a great enemy and the Lord intervened. He thundered a thunder so loud that it scared them to death and they ran away. Now, thunder's scary. We uh, had a little bit of fire. You know, we always have premature firework people, you know, during the holidays. We had a little bit of fireworks last night and our dogs were freaking out. Um, I guess it's I'm comparing people to dogs again. I got a, it's a bad habit of mine. I got to stop doing that. But could you imagine a sound so loud that it literally made you run away? Like thunder is already kind of scary, especially if it's close. A thunder so loud that every man of a great army turned and ran. That's something to commemorate. That's something to remember. That's a great thing to remember. But what can we take away from this event? Our reminder here is when God has intervened in our lives. When has God shown up in a situation in your life? Maybe it's not an attack of some great army. Maybe it's nothing like that. Maybe it's just a difficult situation. It could be something small. But a lot of us have great examples. The older we get, have great examples 
of when we've been in a situation, we've been under attack, and God has stepped in. He has stepped in, and he has fixed it. He's made a way. But God's intervention doesn't always look like we want it to. It's not always peaceful and happy. Um, when I, I, I grew up in Oxford, Oxford, Mississippi. We moved to Oxford when I was five years old. And um, not a lot going on in Oxford now that I think about it. I'm kind of happy I was addicted to video games as a kid because I'm not sure what else I would have done in Oxford had I not had video games. There's like a bowling alley in the theater. That's kind of all you have. Um, but I enjoyed it. And I got to a point to where I thought I would live in Oxford maybe for the rest of my life. Um, I had gotten into worship in the church I grew up in, um, started singing um, on the stage at 14. I loved worship, and I was surrounded by my family. Um, I got involved with a ministry called Chi Alpha, which I've told many of you about as a ministry that I learned a lot of leadership skills in, had a lot of great people teach me a lot of great things. And I thought this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to do ministry in Chi Alpha and in church here in Oxford for the rest of my life. I accepted a call to ministry. Like, this is where I'm at. Little did I know, that's not what God had for me. And I want to be careful when I say this because we don't just say God causes bad things to happen, but I believe God can use situations and poor decisions we make to intervene in our lives, to point us in the direction we need to go. So I got into a relationship with a girl and a um, really good friend of mine, really sweet girl, really nice, and we were doing ministry together and all this stuff. Everything I thought everything was going great, and I was still doing Chi Alpha. All of a sudden, it's not so great anymore. I don't even exactly know what happened to this day, but it ended. And I quickly learned that I grew up with a very poor habit of relying on other people to define who I was. And so the moment that I broke up with this world, she broke up with me, um, I was heartbroken. And then all the great people around me didn't seem to support me, didn't check on me. And I want to be very careful when I say this too, these are still great people. They, they still love me, I still love them. I think this is a, a thing of God, that he blinded some people to what was going on to allow me to see what I needed to see. And so I got the box kicked out from underneath me. And I got to a dark place. It wasn't, it wasn't but two or three weeks later, um, I was commuting up here to South Haven from Oxford five days a week at the time. Incredible gas money reimbursement. So, like, didn't mind. Yes, it was two hours of driving a day. Paychecks were very nice. Um, so I didn't mind so much. But two or three weeks' time, I sat there, and I talked to my buddy Robert, who worked from home. And I was like, I don't think I want to be here anymore. And we moved, talked about moving on Wednesday, moved on Friday. I came up to work the next day, Thursday, signed up for an apartment in Savannah Creek. A lot of you know Savannah Creek in here. And uh, we moved on Friday. And I left everybody I knew from the time I was five years old and all this support system and all these people I loved because I was just trying to escape the pain I was feeling. Spent the next six to eight months um, falling back into alcoholism that I had early on in college, um, heavy depression. Um, I was sleeping two, three hours a night, um, drinking every day after work. Um, this was a horrible time in my life. Little did I know, 
God was using that. He was intervening to bring me to the place he wanted me. And so six or, six or eight months later, we're in March now, I call my mom and I'm like, mom, I can't do this anymore. I can't feel this way anymore. And I was like, I'm ready for it to be done. I'm ready for it to end. She said, well, I love you, son. And you prayed with me. She said, you know, I'm going to talk to some people and you know, get you some help. And my stepfather, Steve Long, who was a part of City Church for a long time, he called Pastor Troy and he said, hey, my um, stepson's down there and uh, he's not doing well. And so I get this text from Pastor Troy on a Wednesday or a Tuesday and he, uh, he texts me and said, hey, you need to have lunch tomorrow at Moe's on Goodman Road. And uh, <laughs> I meet, meet with Pastor Troy and uh, come to youth that night, come to church that Sunday, and the rest is history. God's been working on my heart and growing me ever since that day. But you see, he intervened through a terrible situation. He used this incredibly painful season to point me to a place he wanted me. And now I get this opportunity to worship with all you incredible people on a weekly basis. You sound beautiful. It was so nice being down here and actually be able to hear you guys sing. Just so you know, we guys cannot hear you up here, okay? It's very loud. <laughs> very loud, very bright. You're like kind of just shadows making some noises. Um, you guys sound incredible. And just so you know, I did selfishly schedule all my favorite songs this morning so I would get to sing them. Uh, so, so if you ever wondered where my heart stood on the music we do, now you have your answer. Um, but I love you guys. Um, it's an incredible church. I, I did not like City Church when I first got here. I was like, this is way too structured. I hate how there's like schedules and everything. And like, we can't just worship for an hour just because I grew up in a church that was the opposite. We would just, you worship till worship stop, you know? And, uh, but now I've learned there's, there's a great balance between God moving and having schedules. We have to honor people's time, so. Thank you for teaching me some discipline in that area as well. <laughs> um, we're going to move on to our second memorial. This is a memorial that's called Gilgal. And so um, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 4, if you want to turn there with me, Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Going into this section of scripture, this is after all this time Israel has spent in the wilderness. And due to their own disobedience, let's just remember that, they screwed up, they did disobeyed God, they did all these evil things. God was like, all right, fine, you can stay there, you know, that's fine with me. Finally, it's time for Joshua to lead them into the promised land. The spies have gone and spied it out. They've come back and given the report. So we're going to pick up here, Joshua 4, verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, right from where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? I want to take a moment here. There's more purpose behind remembering what God's done than just for you. There's more purpose in intentionally 
making a point of how God's worked in your life than just for you to remember. Because your kids can't know what God's done for you if you don't show it. I had an incredible mother. My, my family will be here for second service. And if you've never got a chance to meet my mom, she is the most incredible person I've ever known. And I, I get mad at her all the time because she says all the time, she's like, I hope I did a good job raising you. And like, I hope I you know, didn't mess up too much. I'm like, please shut up. You, you're, you're like literally the best mother I've ever met in my entire life. And I've met a lot of mothers, you know, and, and no offense to all you mothers here in the room. My mom is better, you know. Um, so, you know, I just want to make sure that's known. But it is important. It's important that you remember these things for your kids. Because you can't bring them to a church where they're going to hear the word of God and they never see it in your life. So much of the spiritual discipline I have now is because I woke up to my mom praying and worshiping because she lived this out in her life. I'm sorry, I spent too much long, too long on that. Where were we? Uh, seven, thank you so much. Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Oh, I can't do this. Where am I? Okay. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over to their camp where they put them down. So the original purpose of this memorial is to remember when God stopped the Jordan and gave passage to the promised land. And I want to make another quick point about this. This was an incredible thing. So we have the parting of the Red Sea, but this Jordan stoppage was also incredible. So this was flood season. So the river was at its strongest flow. And when they got to it, God literally stopped the water where it comes from and let the rest of it keep going. Um, I imagine some people up the river maybe didn't appreciate it quite as much. Um, it was already flood season. It was already flooded. <laughs> it probably got a little more wet. But this is an incredible thing. So I want to make sure we don't look at it like, oh, it's another little miracle. No, it's, this was an incredible thing that happened. But how can this be a reminder to us? This is a reminder of when God has kept his promise. You see, God made this promise to the Israelites many, many years before that they will be able to cross into this land he has promised them. And he always keeps his promises. So when, there's been a t when has there been a time in your life where you've seen a promise of God come true? When can you look back and see that was God fulfilling his promise? And I want to make sure we touch on something else too. Every promise made to God's people in his word is a promise made to you. Because as you see, when you accept Christ, you are inherited. You are adopted into the family of God. You have an inheritance. Every promise of his people is for you. So as you go through and read that stuff, when you read these promises of prosperity and healing and peace and joy, that's for you. That wasn't just for a time long ago. So claim those promises. My, another practice my uncle had, when we would read scripture, he would tell you to put your name in there. Whenever God says something about someone or says, promises something to someone, Hunter, you are blessed. Insert your name here. And read it back again, because those promises are for you. And learn them, because then you'll be able to look back when something happens and say, I remember that promise he made me. I remember when he fulfilled that promise. 
um, me and my wife, Jenny down here, um, <laughs> we've, uh, we've had to see some promises of God this year. It's, uh, it's been a hard year. We spent all of last year um, getting our finances in order, following a budget, getting stuff paid off, and um, then early this year, Jenny had a bad car accident and broke her arm and um, had to have surgery and had to close the business because she couldn't work anymore, and so our finances went into shambles as she just wasn't capable of working for many months, and um, we had to stand on a promise of God when we couldn't see it that he would provide, that he would take care of us. And he did. We got to the lowest point we had gotten in our finances and just in the stress we had, and he used seven or eight different families, didn't communicate with each other, and he provided. And yes, we're still going through some stuff. We're still figuring some stuff out. But we know that God keeps his promises because we've seen that in our lives this year. So don't give up on the promises you've read and you've declared that you haven't seen yet. Because it's not in our timing. We don't get to decide when God moves. But he will move. Oh. All right. Good. our third and final memorial. This is the memorial at Bethel. So um, Isaac has blessed Jacob and he sent him out to find a wife in the land of his mother, Padamaram. And he's uh, told him to go find a wife at his mother's because he doesn't want him to marry a Canaanite woman. And uh, a little little fun side note here. Uh, before this section of scripture we got to, his brother Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and told him not to marry a Canaanite woman. And then was like, wait, I've married a Canaanite woman. And so to solve this, he goes and marries another woman who's not Canaanite. He's like, this will fix everything. You know, I'll just marry a non-Canaanite woman. Completely cover up the Canaanite one, you know, all good after that. Um, it's not how it works, just in case you were curious about that there. But before we get into this, I want to also remind you that Jacob wasn't great. Jacob was disobedient. That Jacob, this wasn't the God of Jacob yet. This was the God of Isaac. And Jacob knew of Isaac's God. But he didn't serve him. He didn't love him. So I want that to be a little pre-note before we get into this section of scripture. So we're here in Genesis chapter 28. I'm sorry, I should have told you that already. Chapter 28, verses 10 through 19. And we'll pick up here in 10. So Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Amen, we're not sleeping on stones anymore. Um, I like get back pain in my nice soft bed. I can only imagine if my ear was just on a stone all night. Uh, like God must have truly been with these people for them to sleep on a stone. Um, you know, or maybe that's because that's why we're so soft because we don't sleep on stones anymore. Maybe we should bring it back. But you know, that's a conversation for another day. Um, <laughs> When he fell asleep, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land 
on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. There's another point here. We don't have to go looking for God. You see, when you accept Christ, the Spirit of God lives in you. So let's remember, we're not out wandering the wilderness and just happen to run into God. God can still show up miraculously in different ways at different times. You're not relying on just having to find God or go to a place where God lives. God doesn't live in this building. He, he is in this building. Just make it clear. But we can go worship outside. We can go worship in some random room somewhere. You don't have to look for him. He's right there where you are at all times. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city would later be called Luz. Jacob went out to find a wife, went to sleep, and found God. And as I said, we don't have to find God. He's always with us. But how often, even as us who have access to the Holy Spirit at all times, find ourselves surprised to find ourselves wondering where he is? How often is God in something and we don't notice? The original purpose of the memorial was to remember the dream God gave Jacob. However, our reminder is when God revealed himself to us. Do you remember the first time God showed himself to you? Do you remember the first time you felt that nudging of the Holy Spirit or that peace that joy in a moment of stress. If you're like me, I grew up in church. I couldn't tell you the day I got saved. I'm sure I prayed a prayer a hundred times. Um, I didn't get baptized until my early 20s. So I can't tell you when it took. And for those of you who are like me, maybe you don't have this great moment of God showing up this great moment of salvation, you don't have to rely on that. Look at every time he has shown up. It's so easy to forget. There's so often in my life I can look back and say, God, you were in this. In the times that were easy and hard, he's been there. So let's remember this morning when he has shown up. In fact, close, everybody close your eyes. Let's do this. If you are someone who 
can remember the specific moment when you found salvation, when Jesus came to live in your heart, I want you to think of that and hold it in your mind. If you can't remember when you got saved or don't know when it happened, think of a time God has stepped in, a clear moment God has been present in your life. Do you remember the feeling of joy and peace the freedom of condemnation and sin from everything that ailed you. God wants to remind you this morning that feeling wasn't just for them. You see, he can make everything new day by day. He only asked that we give him the time. The moment you have in your mind is not just a moment to be forgotten, a feeling to never have again. But as we go into this new year, let's make the old new. Remember when we first felt the love and joy and peace and had that experience with him again. Keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed.